Hi, this is Jimmy and Karen Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. Karen, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. Today we're talking about striking your sexual match. This is a very, very important teaching. Uh, And we're going to talk about, you know, it's kind of a play on words here. uh, Striking your sexual match, which means better sex, Mm -hmm. but also um, being a match. Now, um, men and women are very different sexually, very different sexually. And this causes a tremendous amount of frustration uh, in the sexual arena. And so when you and I got married, uh, you know, we were very attracted to each other and we had sex. But um, you were very different than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I wanted more sex, mm-hmm. you know, and you were you were good to meet my needs. But I wanted more sex. And you, you were much more emotional, uh, connected mm-hmm. sexually. In other words, the way that I treated you through the day made an impact on, mm-hmm. on you. And I didn't like that, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and so what we learned over the years, Karen, is that we're, men and women are different. And in order to have great sex, mm-hmm. you have to go into each other's world. But here's what I would say. And I have, a, I have a book called Our Secret Paradise and a teaching from that. Uh, and I have a teaching in there called The Secret of Ultimate Sexual Fulfillment. And the secret of ultimate sexual fulfillment is a servant spirit. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're not a servant, mm-hmm. you're you're always going to have bad sex. When two servants get in bed to have sex, they get out fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Uh, when one servant gets into bed with his or her spouse, one person's going to get out fulfilled. The other one's going to get out unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. When both people are selfish, you're going to have it's going to be completely frustrating. And so we need to be we need to take personal responsibility to meet our spouse's sexual needs Mm -hmm. and to have a servant spirit. And that's the most important thing. Well, and I remember, you know, when we first got married, you'd had more experience with sex than I'd had none. Well, it was called immorality. (laughs) (laughs) Not experience. And so I was just a pure little innocent thing. And, but, you know, I knew that you did have a strong sex drive. And the one thing that I did learn early on in our marriage, though, is I never told you no. It's just it wasn't what I don't think it was like, as exciting for you because honestly I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And I remember um, you know just reading books and just talking to other couples or uh, girls, women, and um, you know so I I remember coming up with creative things. You know like I would buy these games. You know these uh, and we would it's like you ask questions or do things and so you know you can you can come out of that box. You don't you know and and learn each other's needs like. Um, you know, talk about it. Uh, you know, if you're not talking about it, that's just as bad as not doing it. Yeah. And, you know, just, you know, learn ways to communicate, you know, that's not embarrassing for you that, you know, and, um, you know, I've there's a lot of good Christian books out there. You sure. know, it's like the Naked sure. Marriage that we promote yeah. around here. And that's an extremely good book. Yeah. And so there's, there's plenty of things and um, situations where we can learn. And I think your teaching today, though, really is very, very good on the differences and how you meet those needs. We're going to go. We hope that this was helpful to you. And uh, if you haven't subscribed, please do that and leave a review. We love hearing from you. We're going to go now to the teaching on striking your sexual match. Striking your sexual match, and and I want to talk about this. This is kind of a a play on words here of striking your sexual match. I want to talk about igniting the sexual passion 
and deepening the intimacy of your relationship. Let me say this. Good sex is always intentional. You may have been, you know, naturally, obviously attracted to each other sexually when you met, but we can enjoy sex for the rest of our married lives. You know, research proves that people are enjoying sex 70s, 80s, uh, longer than ever because we're living longer and because of medical technology, but it's always intentional. It's never by accident. And listen, don't let the devil tell you the lie that if you married the right person, that it would just happen naturally and you wouldn't have to work at it. That's just not true. You always have to put energy into the relationship regardless. But the other thing about striking your sexual match is it's how to take the natural differences that are between us and to make them dynamic rather than dangerous. God made us different by his design. We're, we're very, very different. And when you understand those differences, it's dynamic. But when you don't, it's, it's a very dangerous thing. And so uh, sex demonstrates how different we are, but complementary. When I uh, was in college, my job was to pull pipe fittings and pipe. Uh, I pulled pipe and pipe fittings during the day, and during the night, they loaded it on trucks and shipped it all around the area here. And so, you know, I could walk up. Uh, when I first started, I didn't know, you know, any kind of pipe fitting. And so I walked up one day, and I noticed on my order, it said male pipe fitting. And I thought, what, you know, male pipe fitting? And then I noticed down on the bottom, it said female pipe fitting. And I went to this guy that I worked with, and I said, what's, what's a male and a female pipe fitting? And he was kind of an old, gruff guy, and he said, come here, kid. So he, he walked me down the aisle of, this, of the pipe area there, and he grabbed a male fitting and said, this is a male fitting. And then he grabbed another fitting, and was, he said, this is a female fitting. And he put them together, and I thought, oh my gosh, hardware people are perverts. You know? <laughs> They work in a porn shop here. And so it was embarrassing because I thought, I just can't believe they call them male. And I'm doing my hands. I got to stop doing that. But the, I can't believe they call them that. But it's interesting. God designed us so differently to complement each other. Nature tells us we need each other and we fit. About one third of women are more sexual than their husbands. And uh, to most men, especially younger men, are more sexual than their wives. Now, I want to tell you a dynamic that happens uh, in marriage, and that is men, men peak sexually when they're about 20 years old. Women peak sexually when they're about 40 years old. Isn't that cruel of God? <laughs> I mean, you're thinking, why didn't God make us where we peak at the same time? And let me tell you why. He wanted there to be some constructive years in there. And not where we, you know, drop off the face of the earth for several years just having sex and like that. So the men peak sexually at 20 years old, men peak, women peak sexually about 40 years old. So here's typically the scenario that happens in marriage. You have a, a young, let's just say you have a young couple that marries. Within weeks, she's convinced she married a pervert, okay? Because he wants sex all the time and she doesn't want to feed the monster. If you want to kill a monster, you don't feed it. And so she's thinking, if I keep giving him sex, I'm just feeding the monster, and I, I want to kill the monster. So I'm going to just look at him, browbeat him, tell him there's something wrong with you. You need to go see Pastor Jimmy. And he doesn't go for that because it's a, it's a need that he genuinely has. And for men, they don't need a lot of romancing. I mean, they, they really don't. Men can be ready for sex at the shortest notice. And just about any place is okay for it. They don't need a special setting. They don't anything like that. They, you know, just out in the woods somewhere, just some, some, somewhere with a little privacy, not even complete privacy. They, they're, they're fine with that. Okay. 
That's a young man, okay? Then she, on the other hand, she has to be romanced to be sexual. She's not as naturally sexual as he is, so she has to be romantic. She has to have a special setting for that, and if he's going to have good sex with her, he's going to have to pay attention with her all day. They're not just going to jump in bed and have sex. He's going to have to pay attention with her all day. He's going he's to have to be a good husband all day, so that, that's the way God designed it. So then, then he gets older. You know, He's getting older, and, and as he's getting older, his, his testosterone is dropping, which doesn't mean he doesn't need sex anymore, but it just means he's becoming a little less sexual, a little bit more emotional. All of a sudden, they meet at 40, and that's a wonderful year, 40, because she's reaching her sexual peak. She's not as self-conscious about sex. She's more uh, in tune with her body. She's less afraid, typically, of getting pregnant. And so all of a sudden, now, th this, is a, this is a pretty good time in life right here, is 40, and now, now he starts getting older, and as he's getting older, his testosterone's dropping, and now all of a sudden, he can't perform as quickly as he used to. And he needs a little bit of romancing. And he's saying, I don't want my wife just get in bed and have sex with me. I want her to talk with me before. <laughs> and she says, honey, I want sex. And he says, I have a headache. <laughs> I have a headache. What? It's like a role reversal. It's really kind of like a payback. <laughs> Remember that headache you had for three years? Now I've got it. <laughs> and so... Let me talk about matching libidos for just a minute. You'll, you'll, you'll very rarely have matching libidos unless you buy some kind of a drug that I don't know of. Matching, matching libidos, and what matching, this is what, again, the devil wants you to think that there's a person out there for you that they're always gonna feel just like you feel and what, just want just what you want, and every time you look at each other, it just, it just happens, you know. You jump in bed, it just happens. But you're married to this dud, and you say you want sex, and that's the last thing on her mind, and you're thinking, I, I wish I had a sexual wife. Then maybe it's, I wish I had a sexual wife. Okay, listen, listen matching, matching libidos. It doesn't happen very often. But let me say, there are those times in marriage where you, where you have matching libidos, and you have sex, it's fantastic. You both want the same thing at the same time. You have fantastic sex, have it. First of all, wherever you are, have it. Okay. When you get finished... Okay, go to the trophy shop, <laughs> buy a plaque, and on the plaque, have it engraved and said, at this moment in time and at this place, we had matching libidos and had great sex. Go home and hang it wherever you had sex. <laughs> and maybe in your lifetime, you'll accumulate several. And when you walk by it, touch it, cry, <laughs> remember, and get over it. Because it doesn't happen that often. Great sex in marriage happens by us committing to meeting each other's sexual needs. I'm committed. And, and you walk up and pinch me on the rear and say, I'd like to have sex, and say, well, it's actually the last thing on my mind, but okay. And here's what happens. You weren't thinking about it before, but the more sex you have, the more sex you can have. You use it or lose it. And... You may not have been interested before, but during the act, you become interested, and the bonding happens. Hundreds of powerful chemicals and hormones are released in our bodies to bond us to each other, to create an a ill will, or to goodwill, and to create, uh, get rid of stress. I mean, these, this is what happens when we're having sex. 
It kills stress. It literally bonds us together and makes us feel closer. So the issue is, it doesn't matter how I felt about it before. There's only one thing that matters. You're my husband. You're my wife. I am the only place where you can legally and legitimately get your sexual needs met. I will not strand you. I will meet your sexual needs with a good attitude for the rest of your life. And if there's something wrong with me where I can't, I will quickly go get help. Now, there was a couple here in our church, and she had a physical issue, and they couldn't have intercourse. And um, they came to see me, and they kind of felt guilty because they were having great sex. But they were using alternate means, not uh, illegal or immoral. But they were just having to be creative because she couldn't have intercourse. And they came in and see me, and, and, and uh, they said, and she, by, by the way, neither one of them would make eye contact with me. And, but they just wanted to make sure they weren't about to get struck dead by God. And they came in and said, we can't have intercourse. So we're having sex. And, and she said, here's what I'm doing for him. And he said, here's what I'm doing for her. And they said, we just want to make sure that, that, that you know, this is okay. And I said, I want both of you to look at me. And they you know, took them a long time to look at me. And I said, I looked at her and I said, now listen to me. Good for you. What a great wife you are. You're having a physical problem, but in spite of your physical problem, you're going out of your way to meet your husband's sexual needs. And I said, I am so proud of you. And I looked at him and I said, I am so proud of you. Your wife is is not doing well. She's having a physical problem. And you are doing everything you can to receive pleasure and give her pleasure even though you can't have intercourse and you're both fulfilled and you're working hard at making the best of a bad situation. And they left my office just, (laughs) I'm so proud of them. There's always a way to fulfill each other in a time of pregnancy, in a time of illness, in a time of difficulty, but you can't leave each other uh, unfulfilled. First Corinthians seven, again, is a scripture that says, when I get married, my body is the property of my spouse. Literally, read it for yourself. You don't have authority over your body. Your spouse does for the sake of sexual use, not sexual abuse, but sexual use. And it just means we're one. And you are my only legitimate legal way of getting my sexual needs met. And libidos go out the window. I mean, it's important that we have libido. And if we have a problem, we need to go get help. But the issue is a lot of times we don't have the same needs at the same time. Doesn't mean we can't have a great marriage though. Let me, let me talk for just a minute about understanding your spouse's sexual differences. Now, uh, friends of ours, Dr. Gary and Barb Rosberg wrote a book called The Five Sex Needs of Men and Women. And this is how different we are. And I'm going to read through these. I hope you'll listen to these because I'm going to tell you about your spouse. They, they interviewed, I think it was around a thousand Christian couples in depth, asking them, what are your most important sexual needs in the marriage, and the men and women both both answered, okay? And so here are the top five answers of the men and the top five answers of the women. Number one answer of men of what what is your most important sexual need is mutual satisfaction. 67% of the men, number one said, I want my wife to be satisfied. And this is what women need to understand is your, your husband wants you to be a participant in the sex And to be satisfied in it because it has to do with his self-esteem. In other words, he wants to be a good lover. He wants you to be attracted to him and he wants you to be involved. So he's going to want you to be satisfied. Number one need of a woman sexually is affirmation. 
Before sex, she wants to be appreciated and she wants you to, to know that you think she's beautiful. And during sex, she wants you to affirm her and also let, you, uh, let her know that she's a great lover and that she's beautiful. Affirmation, uh, that's number one. Number two, by the way, it's the same. It's connection. Men say, out of the bedroom, I want her to be affectionate, I want her to praise me, and I want her to be sensitive to me. And in the bedroom, I want her to connect to me. In other words, I want to feel as though she's, uh, she's paying attention, that she's focused on me. Women say basically the same thing. Uh, outside of the bedroom, women say, I want him to care about my feelings. I want him to be sensitive, and I want a total connection. I don't want to just have sex with my husband. I want a total connection of mind, body, and spirit. I want him to open up to me, and I don't want him to just use me to get his sex needs taken care of. Now, this is interesting in research. Now, this is what I'm about to say. They find that over the average meal, the average couple tries to connect over 100 times. And you say, what? We're constantly using verbal and nonverbal cues to see if the, our spouse is interested in us. And we walk by and touch them, or we look at them and smile, or we look at them and just look at them, or we say something to see if they're interested. But what I'm trying to do is to connect. And here's what they find in research. To the degree that you will not let your spouse connect, your chances of divorce dramatically rise. And here's what it means. You look at each other, you affirm each other. When your spouse is saying something, you affirm it, you respond, and you let your spouse know this is about us. This is about us. I'm interested and I care. I'm connecting rather than being distracted or disinterested. Connection is very important to both of us. Number three, uh, sex need of a man is responsiveness of his wife. He wants you to say yes to sex. Doesn't mean you can never say no, but yes, and to be interested in it. And unresponsiveness means rejection. It just really does. It's a big need for a man. Same thing for a woman too, but response. Number three, need of a woman sexually is non-sexual touch. And this is hard for men to understand. But what she's saying is, I want him to be affectionate with me outside of the bed. And in the bed, I just don't want him to grope me sexually. I want him to be soft and tender in the way that he touches me. And the more soft and non-sexual men are, the more sexual women become. Okay, number four, important need of a man sexually is the initi initiation of his wife. He wants you to, to uh, initiate sex. And I want to say it again. If you're not initiating intimacy with your spouse, there's something wrong with you. Your spouse needs you to initiate verbal affection, physical affection, sexual affection. Very, very important. And if you're not doing that, they're going to feel rejected. But when a man, a man when a woman initiates sex with uh, her husband, it, it means everything to him. Yeah, I mean, it says everything to him that he wants to hear in the relationship. And again, I know that there are women who are more sexual than their husbands. And it, a man needs to initiate sex with his wife, too, if he's less sexual than she is. Number four, sexual need of a woman is spiritual intimacy. When women were asked, what are your sexual needs? Women said, I want him to pray with me. And I want him to be the spiritual leader of our home. Okay, and a lot of times men would say, I don't know what that has to do with sex. Most of what is important to a woman in sex doesn't happen in bed, it happens before you get in bed. And she's saying, I want, I want you to connect with me spiritually. 
Number five need of a man is affirmation. He wants to be appreciated for all that he does. Praise. It goes to his need for respect and honor. I want you to praise me for being a good worker. I want you to praise me for what I do around the house. I want you to affirm me and make me feel like that you're not taking me for granted. Number five need of a woman is romance. She wants to be romance. Now, my uncle, I did my uncle's funeral uh, years ago, and uh, he and my aunt were married for 40 years. He wrote my aunt a new poem every day for 40 years and left it on the dining room table before he went to work. And I'm seeing the faces of women going, <laughs> you can't fake that now. Every day for, when I was doing his eulogy, my aunt said he wrote me a new poem every day for 40 years. And they had a fantastic marriage. Romance is meeting an unspoken need or desire. You're not in trouble. You're not being barked at. You're doing it because of one reason. You value that person and they're on your heart. This is what romance says. I'm thinking about you when I don't have to. When I'm at work, I'm thinking about you. And there's nothing more important to me than pursuing you. When a woman feels romanced outside of bed, she's sexual in bed. When a woman doesn't feel romance, it's just it's like a man. When a woman initiates sex with her husband and she's verbally and physically affectionate with him, it's game, set, and match. That guy's ready to go see Jesus. I mean, he's in heaven. Okay. But when a man is romantic with his wife and he loves her and pursues her and comes out of his world to meet her needs without being told to, she's in heaven. That's Every woman wants to know they're valued. Every woman, here, here's, I heard, I think it was John Eldridge that said this, and it's really true. Every man wants to know one thing, I have what it takes. And every woman wants to know one thing, you're worth fighting for. And when a woman tells her husband, you've got what it takes, and a man tells his wife, you're worth fighting for, that's called heaven. We're different by God's design. And as I've, as I've said these things to you, I, I, hope, I hope what you listen here and, and hear is these are legitimate. They're not, your spouse isn't like you. And you can have great sex. Again, we're different, but we match. Our differences match. When I come into your world and you come into my world, we're going to have the greatest sex ever because we're both respecting each other and both willing to sacrificially come into each other's world. Sex is a very important part of our marriage relationship, and it is a, a precious gift from God, but from the very beginning, the devil has tried to pollute it, but regardless of mistakes that we've made or things that we've done, we can come back to that place of being blessed by God sexually. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage, and I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out exomarriage.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.